0: Greetings and welcome to Shnayim Mikra, that wonderful series sponsored by the Orthodox Union, hosted at OU.org, in which we take the most advanced and modern technology of podcasting to have an opportunity to discover, analyze, and explore the various nuances of the most ancient and hallowed text that we have, the Torah, by discussing one of the Aliyot in each podcast of the current week's parashah. My name is Yitzhak Get Shalom. And it's been my pleasure to be studying Parashat Kitisa with you together this week. We are now in the fifth Aliyah, Parak Lamed Dalad Pasuk Aleph, a very, very famous passage. Up until now, we've had the narrative of Cheta Egel. And then Moshe's pleas and demands and requests and arguments of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to have him forgive us and forgive us fully and have his Shekhinah rest with us and even demonstrate the intimate, exclusive, and special relationship he has with us by having us distinct from the rest of the nations of the earth. And now God accedes to that request by having the Brit recovenanted as follows. You carve two tablets of rock, like the first ones. Meaning, you broke the first ones that you've got to re-carve Haluchot. I will write on those tablets, but you're going to fashion them. They were on the first tablets that you broke. And of course, the famous comment of Rosh Lakish, You did a good job to break them. We'll talk about that at the end of the Aliyah. Be ready in the morning. Let's carve the tablets and be ready in the morning. The alit of Avokel Har Harsinai. You're going to come up in the morning to Harsinai, and this is now taking us back to the very beginning of Mamad Harsinai, before the Brit was even given, and Moshe is going to be waiting at them in the morning to come up Vinitsav Talisha Moroshahar, and you will stand at attention for me there on top of the mountain with the tablets. The Ishlo imach, nobody goes with you nobody should be seen on any part of the mountain again taking us back to the first part of Matan Torah nobody can go to the mountain there's a border around the mountain unlike in modern Hebrew it means opposite really means at the, foot, at the foothills or the footsteps of um, the animals, the flock, the cattle cannot graze near that mountain now there's two components to that pasuk the first thing is that again this takes us back to the very great revelation of the Decalogue where the animals were not to graze, no one was to go up, anybody who would go up would die, which of course reminds us of the threat to Moshe, if you see my glory you will die. So the notion is that Moshe can come far closer than anyone else, nobody can come all the way, but the animals and the people have to stay far away. There is another piece to the puzzle. Is that Moshe's first revelation on Har Sinai happened when he was shepherding the flock, and now the flock is separated from him, and the flock being separated from him is also indicative of him being separated from his flock, in other words, from Bnei Yisrael, and that is, of course, something that we pointed out happened over the course of the Chet Egel where and the aftermath of that when Moshe's ele- elevated position. And the emphasis on Moshe speaking to God as no one else speaks to God, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, is stressed so that uh, his uh, the distinction of who Moshe is relative to Bnei Israel becomes that much stronger. And here we see it again, that his flock may not ascend the mountain, although he was with his flock when he first encountered HaKadosh Baruch Hu on that mountain. And now what happens? Moshe carved the tablets. Exactly what God told him to do. This is a little bit of a strange passage. It should say, "At He took the two tablets." Instead, it says he took two tablets, as if maybe there are other tablets. But he took the tablets that he carved. God came down in the cloud. And now it's the cloud, but notice, in the first time in Mamar Ar Sinai, the cloud came down in anticipation of Bnei Yisrael's acceptance. Moshe only went up after the cloud when it came down. Here Moshe goes up and that generates the cloud coming down, what in the language of the Kabbalists is itaruta dilatata, a, a, an awakening that comes from below. And a relationship generated by Moshe, not generated, but generated by Akkadesh Baruchu. And when Moshe takes that first step up, then our Kodesh Baruch Baruchu comes down. As if to say that Hashem stands with him there. Who called out? and it's very critical to read this properly, he called out by name. Who called out by name? Hashem. Moshe is not calling out. And by the way, important halacha, if the Baal kriya reads this incorrectly, and reads as many do, Vayikra Vashem Adonai, you have to make him go back and read it properly. Of course, you got to do it nicely, you got to know how to do it, because it leads to the very, very wrong impression that Moshe is calling out. That's not what happens. And this refers us back to Perak Lamed Gimel, uh, pasuk um, um, pasuk yod tet panacha adonai God says, I'm going to call out in the name of Hashem in front of you, and that is now what He does. And now, what happens? Hashem passes in front of Moshe as He promised He would, and He calls out. Now we hear what this great calling out is that seems to preface the writing of the Luchot, as Moshe is standing there, and we presume that he's now in the cleft of the rock. Adonai, Adonai, el rachum vechanun, v'rav Hashem, Hashem is a kind and gracious God, full of patience, full of loving kindness and truth. chesed se'avon he keeps and he guards kindness for thousands, meaning for thousands of generations. He bears the sins and the rebelliousness and the errors, meaning of people. But indeed he will not totally cleanse them. Remembers the sins of the parents to their children, grandchildren, to the third and fourth generations, which of course contradicts itself. And the famous resolution is, with the children and grandchildren maintain the errant ways of their parents, then indeed he revisits the the uh, punishment on them. They don't have an out of saying, we didn't know any better. On the other hand, if they stand independently, then God relieves them of the sin. What happens? Vayimeher Moshe, Vayikot HaRtz Moshe bows down, prostrates himself in front of God, because God has now announced that he's forgiven the people. And now, Hashem, Moshe says, if I have found favor in your eyes, as he said before, we want you to come with us. This is the formal request. Hashem, we want you to come with us, not to abandon us. Indeed, we are stiff-necked people. And you will forgive our sins. What is Moshe saying here? So we take us back to uh, what Hashem said in Mishpatim. That my malach is gonna come with, sorry, that we said here, my malach is gonna come with you, be very, very careful, don't act rebelliously, because he won't be able to bear your sins. And Moshe seems to use that argument and turn it on, turn it on its head. It said Hashem, we need you to come with us, you with your compassion, with your loving kindness, with your patience, with your willingness to forgive. Because, if it's not you, if it's some malach, this is a stiff-necked people. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to be rebellious. They're going to have attitude, and as a result of that, we're going to be wiped out. We need you to come with us in order to ensure that forgiveness. As I mentioned, there is a piece in the first pasuk here at the end, Asher Shibarta, which takes us to a very, very beautiful passage at the very end of Chumash, uh, the Torah and its eulogy of Moshe. Says No great, no, no navi ever stood up who had such a great impact with the fear, etc. and the great hand <speaking in Hebrew> that Moshe did <speaking> in, <Hebrew> in the eyes of Pharaoh in the eyes of B'nei Yisrael what was this great Yad HaHazakah? the Makot, kriyat Yamsuf Melchemat Amalek, the Man all sorts of great things Moshe did what does Rashi say? Rashi Zushvirat luchot. this is a reference to Moshe breaking the Luchot you think about it, that's the greatest thing Moshe did was to break the Luchot So I heard once a beautiful explanation. Beautiful explanation. You think about this. What is the greatest demonstration of ownership, the greatest demonstration of propriety over an item? It is, oddly enough, your ability to destroy it. If it's mine, I can do whatever I want with it. I can destroy it. Nobody could stop me. Here's what happens. Moshe and Akadosh Baruch are locked in a battle. The Midrash builds this up quite a few times, are locked in a battle over the future of Bnei Yisrael, not as existing and surviving, but rather as surviving as Hashem's people, during Chet Ego. Bnei Yisrael have sinned, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to wipe them out, or at least to abandon them, and Moshe is saying, no, you've got to stay with us. And they're holding on to the Luchot. There's even a beautiful Midrash that says Moshe was holding the Luchot, Hashem was holding the Luchot, and they're tugging for control over it. Moshe comes down to the mountain, and he sees that Bnei Yisrael sinned, what does he do? He breaks the Luchot. And breaking the Luchot is Moshe's way of saying, we are the signatories here. We are the owners of this, of this contract. It, and I'll demonstrate that we're the only ones you could sign the contract with. I'll break the Luchot. And his breaking the Luchot was what sealed the fate that Baruch Hu is, if you will, stuck with us. And that was what allowed him to re-covenant as we see in this beautiful passage. In the next podcast, in the sixth Aliyah, We'll read more about how that re comes out all the way to the end of that passage of the renewal of the covenant which evokes and nearly parrots in many ways the covenant that we read about at the end of Parshat Mishpatim given obviously under much happier and uh, more childlike or uh, youthful and uh, pure circumstances. In the meantime, wish you a wonderful day and next podcast we'll do the sixth Aliyah.